everybody to the Living in Truth with Panapia. Panapia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sound like Chuck Schumer. Panapia <laughs> podcast, episode number nine. Uh, today we are going to be talking about scripture and specifically how everything that you believe, every value that you have, and everything that you hear from somebody else including if you think you're hearing it from God, needs to be tested up against what Scripture says. Uh, because Scripture is, in fact, our ultimate authority on this, on any issue. So, thank you for joining us. I'm here with Tabitha, as always, my lovely wife. Yep. Recently got her hair cut. Looks good. Thank you. So, I wanted to open us up, this discussion, just with a little bit of Bible, because uh, if I'm talking about the importance of Scripture, I should probably have some ready to talk about that with. Uh, luckily, I've got a couple of spots picked out already. Now, this is not an exhaustive list of every area that talks about the importance of basing everything you believe on Scripture. I just picked out a couple very, very, very clear ones, just to go ahead and set the tone for what this is about. So the first one is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Starting at verse 18, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Jesus Christ for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. That test everything is the key focus on there, because that passage is talking about, you know, if you if you think you're hearing something from the spirit, just don't let that go. If somebody is saying something that they claim is coming from God, don't just dismiss it outright, but you should test it. And then the other passage is in 1 John chapter 4. And let me flip through. I am using a physical Bible, you millennials, and your version app. <laughs> I say like I'm not a millennial with the version app on my phone. Ooh. That's the problem with these paper Bibles, is these chapters can be so short, it's hard to flip through. Should have sticky noted it. I really should have sticky noted these. <laughs> so 1 John chapter 4, looking at verses 1 through 3. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. This is talking about, you know, an inkling you get that you feel like it's from the Holy Spirit. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ, uh, that Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming and is now already in the world. So... Very straightforward. You test anything you hear up against scriptural truth and sound doctrine that already exists. We don't test it against anything inside of ourselves or any feeling that we might have because, after all, we are human and we are fallible. So why are we talking about this? Uh, to be honest, I've seen a lot uh, on social media and just over time. I have seen a lot of ideas you know, spring forth into the church at large that sound really, really nice. And, you know, they, they, they make you feel happy and warm and fuzzy inside, but they're just not true. And looking at scripture, 
up against what these things are saying just points out that it's not true. It's all nonsense. And so that's the importance of it. What, what can happen when you don't test everything you hear against Scripture as you start to buy into false versions of Christianity, which can lead you down a path to heresies. Right, and I think, um, I mean, honestly, if you just look at our society today, um, we live in a society where it's very, very easy to get um, false information and think that this false information is true. Um, you know, there's stuff spreads on social, like we live in a social media generation and let's be honest, stuff spreads on social media like wildfire. Um, and, you know, people just like, oh man, you know, this, this sounds really good. Let me share this. Sorry, we've got a little, um, we're having a baby and we're waiting for the nursery to be done to move stuff in and my dogs keep climbing in furniture that we have for the baby room. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but, you know, people share stuff. They're like, I, I think there are two reasons people share stuff on social media. One of them, it's like, oh, I never thought about this like this. Like, I've been thinking this was bad this whole time and this post says it's not bad. Well, let me share this. So I'm justified in continuing in my sin and doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Or they go, oh, you know, I know so-and-so does stuff like this. Let me share it in the hopes that she'll be <laughs> convicted by this. Right. You know? Yeah. And honestly, when we talk about church and social media, that's something that... I personally have a really hard time with is like is church I mean not true is is social media really a place to attempt to witness someone to someone is social media really a place to um, have hard conversations with people you know is there any chance of you actually doing anything good for the kingdom through social media right that's the question is is it possible to honestly do something for God on social media and for people to be uh, accepting of that mm -hmm. now i i will say i have had some deep one-on-one -on -one conversations on social media via private messaging with people in recent months so that's not to say it's completely impossible but uh none of that was achieved by posting a passive aggressive comment or passive aggressively posting a scripture in the hopes that someone would see it that mm -hmm. is involved in something like that so you you really have to pick your battles when it comes to the social media. Um, and you also, you have to test yourself as much as you have to test anything that you're reading. And I think that test what you're reading to make sure it's true mentality is just good life advice in general with social media. Yeah. Because there's a lot of stuff that's propagated online that's just blatantly not true, whether about scripture or not. It's especially heinous when it's about scripture. Right. Coming from people claiming to be Christians because they are inviting your trust by claiming to be mm -hmm. Christian and then preaching to you a false gospel. Right. And it's, it's really easy to get caught up in that because we always want to assume the best in people around us. Even people who have been our pastors for 10, 15 years can turn and switch and start preaching a false gospel. It's, anyone is susceptible to it. That's not to say don't trust people. It's just to say be ready to test everything that you hear against Scripture because ultimately people will fail you and Scripture will not. Right. Um, so I want to talk about before we get into sort of the meat 
about the things that can keep us from wanting to or desiring to test things against Scripture, the things that cause us just to see something and immediately go right or wrong without really looking at it. I, I, I just want to make sure that this simple fact is prominent, and that's that Scripture has the final authority on all things doctrine in Christianity, period. If you have a viewpoint about Christianity and Scripture is not the foundation of it, that viewpoint is probably wrong. Plain and simple. This is where we get, this is the Word of God. If you are a Christian, you believe that the Bible is the Word of God. This is the way that God has communicated with us throughout history. And if your viewpoints do not match the viewpoints listed in Scripture, you are not following Jesus adequately. That's why this is so important, because we can't constantly know all Scripture at all times in our brains as human beings. That's why we do the testing. That's why we check on things. That's why we look things up. If somebody says... Oh, gee, you know, I don't actually think that it's wrong to steal from people. I don't think that scripturally there's anything about that. You should check on that. And typically, if you're, you know, when you're following after Jesus and you're listening to the Holy Spirit, you'll get an inkling that that is wrong, especially with the spiritual gift of discernment. But be ready. Anytime anyone says anything, and I, I legitimately, you cannot do this too much. You can't overdo testing against scripture. Absolutely. It's not possible. <laughs> Uh, sometimes people can get nitpicky with it, and I guess there's a difference with that, but I, I, no heresy is too small, in my opinion. To, no, you know, oh, a little bit of heresy. I'll just overlook that. That, that doesn't fly with me. So now I want to talk about the different kinds of biases we can have that keep us from doing this effectively, because everybody has their own biases, I think it's safe to say, and we should all be aware of our own biases, and we should all be aware of where they get in the way. Bias isn't necessarily an inherently bad thing. I know a lot of people act like it is, like, oh, this is bias, therefore it's bad. Bias can be fine. It can just be a lens through which we see things, but we have to recognize that it's there, come to terms with it, and acknowledge it if we're going to get closer to the truth or claim to have any authority on speaking the truth. So we should be aware of what biases get in the way of us fully submitting to the Word of God. And so I've listed some out here. Uh, one of them is what I like to call emotional bias. So the, the, the basic answer, it's a bit more complex than this, but the basic idea of emotional bias is this makes me feel good, therefore it's right, or this doesn't make me feel good, therefore it's wrong. I think that's what, it's, what it is in its simplest terms. A lot of times you'll see this in example of, well, a certain act can't be a sin because I know people who do that, and that makes me feel sad that they would be in sin, so I'm just going to act like it's not a sin. Right. You see that all over the place, and that's just not a biblical way to handle it. Uh, Jeremiah, I think it says that the heart is deceitful above all things. You should not trust it. Mm -hmm. uh, that's directly tied into this idea that our emotions are, should not have really any authority on the decisions we make whatsoever, especially on biblical matters right um and i think something else about it is like just you know like 
there is an instance recently that Caleb and I had and someone got really offended by something that was said. Um, and I was going to bring this up too. Yeah. If you're, if you're in a service or something and, and we're not going to lie, Caleb and I get upset when we're in church services all the time. Like we just, we just accepted that's kind of our life. (laughs) (laughs) That's true for better or worse. That's, that's who we are. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so there are two reasons why something someone says scripturally would upset you. Either that person is wrong and therefore not preaching actual biblical principles, or that person is right and you feel convicted by what they say. Right. But deciding which one is not something you should do on the fly. Again, you test it against scripture. And if scripture determines that what they were saying is true, you know, step back and say, oh, maybe I am convicted by this. Maybe I need to pray about it and get my heart in the right place. Uh, And if it turns out that you are justified in being upset, then that's fine, too. Scripture will reveal that to you one way or another. Right. Um, And so this is when we go back to this concept of testing everything. You know, if you're if the message is on marriage or something. Um, you know, you should go, maybe go to a concordance. Like, you can obviously Google what verses is, verses talk about marriage. But if you really want a true picture of something, you need to look up the word marriage in the Bible. Um, and, like, I've done this multiple times. You just pick the topic, find every verse with it, and you have to spend the time going through every single ber- verse and looking at what it says and what God's intention behind those verses are. And the beautiful thing about a concordance is that it'll go to the Greek root mm-hmm. or um, Hebrew root and let you know what the actual definition of that is. Yeah. Um, and then basing your opinion off of that. And so either you're going to say, oh, man, that person was right and I was wrong and I just got upset and you should probably repent for that. Right. And then or if you're right, you know. Decide if it's worth confronting the person. Right. And just a little side note with that, too. People talk about how many contradictions there are in Scripture. I don't really get where that comes from. But if I have found that any time we've taken a topic, dissected it, gone through it entirely in Scripture, it's been pretty consistent. You know, one if it says something in Leviticus, it probably follows up similarly in Matthew. Right. Because uh, the Lord does not change. Yeah. But that doesn't mean, you know, slow down on it. Really, it takes that full scriptural image, looking through every book of the Bible, all those genres that talk about it, to really grasp what God's idea of it is. Because there are certain things, like the idea of adultery in the Old Testament is expanded upon by Jesus to include mental adultery. But it's all part of that big picture. Right. So that was just a side note. But just remember, just because... Something feels good doesn't mean it right. Just because something feels bad doesn't mean it's wrong. The deciding factor is... Scripture. Correct. So now we move on to our second kind of bias. Worldview bias or cultural bias. Essentially, my idea of how the world works isn't being supported by what's in the Bible. So I need to find a way to make what's being said in this passage of scripture fit my worldview or my ideas that I already have. Yeah, because 
because we live in a society where it's like, well, Jesus was a man, you know, so therefore he or he can't have any um, anything to say about women. Or my favorite one is Paul was never married. So why should we listen to what Paul has to say on marriage when he was never married? He can't possibly have anything good to say. (laughs) And I'm like, have you not under do you not understand that God gave every person who wrote in the Bible the knowledge to write on what they wrote about. Paul wasn't just like, oh, well, hmm, how can I make married people angry? You know, <laughs> right. like, and I, and I think a lot of it too is I think nowadays we just don't even think about the intention behind things anymore. Right. You know, we're like, the Bible says this. Why does the Bible say this? And I'm like, well, why? Or we just go, ew, I'm, I don't like that. Let me just, well, why does the Bible say that? You know, because a lot of people who, um, get upset with Paul, like Caleb and I love to talk about how Paul said, you know, singleness is valued above marriage. marriage. Yeah. Um, and people are like, people are like, oh, no, no. and Caleb and I are married, you know, yeah. we love marriage. But our, our cultural worldview views marriage as like everything. Yeah. It is one of the biggest coming of ages you find. Like, yeah. This is the milestone in your life. Is right. Marriage in our society. And, and Paul's not saying that marriage is bad, you know. But he's, you know, I'm sure Paul's whole life, people were like, why aren't you married, Paul? Why aren't you married? You know? And well, he wasn't married because he was a Jewish priest, but. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, whatever. <laughs> um, but, but like people, like there are lots of Christians nowadays who are in their 40s, 50s, and people are like, why aren't you married? Why aren't you married? And like, they're like, God just hasn't put someone there. Like, I guess that's not God's intention for my life. Um, but, you know, Paul was saying that, you know, the reason it all comes down to time you spend with God, you know, when you get married, you're having to split that time between God and another person. You know, that person takes up a lot of your time. Whereas if you're not married, all that time that you would be, you would spend investing in another person. You can just spend investing in God. Right. And, you know, I, I, I've met people who have said, well, I don't trust, you know, I don't look at what Paul says as authoritative because Paul is a bigot and has his own weird ideas about stuff. So I just don't read anything from Paul. I don't like Paul. What Paul says is really not any different from the rest of scripture. Right. So that, that, that's one thing. But another thing, the reason people get upset with parts of the word of God in that situation is because they have this worldview and this idea of what is good that scripture is contradicting. So they're just eliminating what in their minds from scripture contradicts their own worldview you see people do this there are a ton of famous examples um what's his name ian mckellen has one famous example he'll rip out certain pages of scripture that he doesn't agree with and then act like he's still following after god that's not the case right or like in the church nowadays like if you go to a church service a lot of times they're like well let's read this one passage or let's read the second half of this one verse yeah and it's like well that's funny because the first half of the verse completely contradicts everything you said about the second half of this i was recently in a church service and no names will be named but I, i was recently in a church service where a passage was read and two verses of that passage were deliberately skipped by the pastor so he could make a point and those two verses within that context completely ruin everything he was saying and cut against everything he yeah. was saying. So that's things it's it's the any of those preconceived ideas based on your own worldview that scripture seems to contradict. Take scripture over your worldview. Mm-hmm. So the next kind of bias that we run into is political bias. Hot topic now. Hot topic right <laughs> now. So 
We actually were in, like, just side note on the whole political thing. We were actually in a service last week, um, and politics were kind of mentioned there. Um, and it's it just the concept that, like, we're not here to follow politics. We're here to follow God. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I think there are certain political opinions, I think, that line up with the word of God and certain political opinions that don't. I don't think you can say it's all on one side or all on the other side by any means. Um, but I think if you have aligned yourself with a view of politics, and politics isn't just government. A lot of people make the mistake thinking politics is government. Politics is anything dealing with the public and how people live their lives publicly. Like, you know, whether or not we should put a Walmart uh, over in the next neighborhood. That's a political matter. Mm-hmm. And so I think when we're talking about a political bias with reference to the Bible, it's I've it's it's very similar to worldview bias. It's I have an idea of how I want other people to act. I have an idea of what I want other people to take care of. And if scripture doesn't support that, I don't want any part of that. One example we've been talking about and we're going to talk about a little more in a future episode um, is that people take Jesus's desire to feed the hungry and to you know provide for the poor and clothe the naked and all of that that all of those needs should be met by the government instead of by Christians who come alongside them and will honestly do a much better job of it I think that a political bias can get in the way there because you already have these political leanings and you're just seeing scripture in the context of your political leanings rather than allowing your political leanings to be subject to the context of scripture. Right. And we'll be, we'll be, we'll definitely like our next podcast, we'll probably talk about this, but lately I've been really big into this concept of what would Jesus do, you know, and Jesus wouldn't rely on someone else to take care of others unless it's like fellow Christians to take care of someone um, you know, Jesus was, Jesus felt like Jesus calls us to do these things on our own. So we shouldn't rely on other people or other, um, organizations or things to take care of things that we should be taking care of. Right. That, that, we see that a lot too. People saying that, oh, the, me giving a financial contribution to this organization that's doing this stuff for me is tantamount to me doing it myself. That's not bad, by the way. Please do. If there's a local organization that is doing something really, really good, give to them, by all means. That shouldn't be the extent of your Christianity. Right. That shouldn't be. You shouldn't do all of that and then not love your neighbor, not be an example to the people around you at work, not take care of a need yourself when you see one. That's not Christianity. That's you pawning your Christian duties off on someone else. Right. And so the last kind of bias we have, it's it's kind of tied with emotion. One of either experiential bias or emotional bias is probably the most common. I, I think I'd put emotional bias just above experiential bias, but mm-hmm. it's close. What I mean by experiential bias is... I know scripture says this, but I got some word for the Lord from the Lord that says otherwise. You know, I know scripture says, you know, Jesus himself said that to marry a woman who has been divorced is to make her commit adultery. 
but God told me at some point that it's okay. <laughs> that is experiential bias at work because God is not going to tell you something. That contradicts his word. Right. And God's word, by the way, it is final. I know a lot of people like to act like it's not, that there are these new revelations that are going to change the way we look at doctrine. It's settled. The book of Revelation has made that very clear. We are in a state of waiting for Jesus to come back. There is no new doctrinal statement right now. Mm -hmm. There's There are little revelations, I believe. The gift of prophecy is real. People hear things, and you know, I, I, I think that they can apply to their lives in a certain way. But that's not the same thing as setting well, but, new doctrine. But even then... Like you're so you're specifically talking about new doctrine, but even then, if God does give you a word, or an image, or a dream, or something, he, what He says and gives you is still going to line up with Scripture. Right. You should still test it against Scripture if you're confused about it, or and test every time you, if especially if it's something like a dream or an image, if you're interpreting it a certain way, test your interpretations against Scripture as well. Right. Because we are humans and we might see things wrong. Mm-hmm. So. You know, shout out to all the quote-unquote prophets who thought the election was going to go a different way than it did. <laughs> like, it will be true and it will line up with scripture if it is honestly something God has given you. If it doesn't turn out to be true, God didn't tell it to you. If it doesn't line up with scripture, God didn't tell it to you. But I know people who have taken their entire view of what the Christian walk looks like just from sitting down and praying and asking God, what do you want to tell me? And they don't even look at their Bibles. That's dangerous. Right. Because maybe some of the little voices we hear in our head are God, but there's a lot more voices in our head that come from us and our own selfish desires. Right. And no, this is not Satan tempting you. <laughs> Most and of the time it's not. Yeah. To, well, that's another podcast for another yeah, day. But the, yeah, to, to put it short, a lot of times Satan doesn't need to come tempt us because we do a pretty good job yes, of doing it to ourselves. Yes, exactly. Because um, I, I think a lot of times we also forget that because we are Christians, people act like we're like infallible now. And that's not the case. Like right. we're, con we're, we're in a constant battle against our flesh to turn our fl away from our flesh and follow God's word. Yeah, there's this there's this new heresy I've been hearing lately that suggests that once you become a Christian, it is literally impossible for you to commit sin. So anything that you would do as a Christian is not sinful. That's bogus. I don't know where <laughs> you people are getting that from. But that's that that's the kind of stuff that can crop up when what you're judging is what you feel in your heart or what you think you're hearing from God and you never put it against what the Bible says. Yeah. What you think is your gift of discernment could just be your own convictions jumping against you and saying, well, this must be fine. Yeah. And, and let's just be honest. Like, no one wants to admit that they're sinners. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times, like, we go into things knowing it's sin or we walk out of things. I, I personally think, like, one of the hardest sins is probably lying. Just because you're raised, like, being taught that it's okay to just, like, say, joke or say something to just, and, like, say a little white lie to justify something, you know? Yeah. Like, we live in a culture with, like, these imaginary people that bring kids gifts and money. <laughs> and... <laughs> 
Like, and we live in a society where parents are like, well, I'm just going to lie about this because it makes my life better. It doesn't really make your child's life better or does it teach them that that Santa hates the poor? Caleb. Sorry. (laughs) Does it teach them that lying is okay? Right. Does it teach them that everything we have doesn't come from God? It comes from this false being. Right. And I, and I know that that's going to turn a lot of folks' ideas upside down. Like, wait, you're telling me I can't do Santa with my kids because I'm lying to them? Kind of. I mean, like, really think about it. What's the Bible say about lying? Right. And, you know, that that is the thing is... That's a, when we're talking about Santa and the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy, those are worldly beings. Yeah, they're that false have been gods, created. Honestly. Yeah, and you know, I, I I get that's the way my family's done it for years. Maybe that's a case of your own worldview bias, because the fact is, if you look at Scripture and interpret it honestly, and every time you read it, you completely agree with everything that's said and you don't feel any need to change yourself you're not reading it correctly right because you are a human you are not perfect you don't do it perfectly so something in scripture is going to come against something that you think at some point in your life right and you can either surrender to it which is what you should do or you can choose to stand against it, say, I'm just going to ignore this part of Scripture and move on. But you are no longer honestly following the Word of God once you hit that point. Mm-hmm. So I know we've probably got a lot of people going, what about the whole fairy tale thing? <laughs> right. um, and honestly, we'll do a complete co- podcast on that. Yeah, in that, the that future. deserves its own thing. Yeah. Um, to For y'all to talk about how we got to this point and... You know, really help think through that. Yeah, that's its own podcast topic in and of itself. But the main point is this, that that's just evidence that a lot of what the world tells you is okay and Christian and just the way it should be done. Sometimes we tend to just accept that. And we shouldn't. Mm -hmm. We should look at every single thing in our lives. Every single thing someone tells us, especially if they're claiming biblical authority on it, mm-hmm. look to the scripture and see where it lines up and where it doesn't. Yeah, look to the scripture, pray about it. Um, I mean, you can kind of get a basic idea of everything mm-hmm. based off scripture, but if you can't find anything, you know, I, a lot of people say the hardest thing about living in today is that our society is so different. Um you know, but you can also still read and pray, and the Holy Spirit can give you conviction on if what you're doing is right or wrong. Yep. Um, and never underestimate the power of research either. I know a lot of people say, like, well, you know, there's this big gap between their culture at the time and ours, so I don't know how to interpret it in that context. You can see what cultural implications these passages have. You can look at what their culture was, the similarities and the differences to, you know, look at what that looks like for us today. Because, you know, we don't look at... Well, tax collectors is a bad example because I look at the people who collect my taxes as a bunch of liars and thieves too. But you get the <laughs> point. <laughs> that, you know, you can you can look and see, you know, because it's, it's... So much of scripture, your interpretation of it could be greatly helped if you 
instead of just looking at the words that are there like tax collector look at well how did people look at them you know let me let me look into oh to the implication of a tax collector is you're a liar and a thief and so people you know put them out from society there are whole biblical history books that will give you that historical socio-political context